everybody. Welcome to the inaugural episode of the official podcast of the North American Veterinary Anesthesia Society. This podcast is a long time coming and we are so thankful that you have come to join in with us today. My name is Dr. Bonnie Gatson. I am a board certified veterinary anesthesiologist and proud gas passer. And I'm so happy to welcome other fellow gas passers onto our podcast so we can have really meaningful discussions about all things related to veterinary anesthesia and analgesia. Just to plug a few things about the mission of the North American Veterinary Anesthesia Society, the goal is to help veterinary professionals and caregivers advance and improve the safe administration of anesthesia and analgesia to all animals. And we are hoping to help fulfill that mission with this podcast. For our inaugural podcast, we have decided to focus on a new and rather exciting drug that has recently been created, studied, and rolled out by Elenco. The drug is Zorbium. I have been personally getting a lot of questions about Zorbium and how it can be used, what settings it can be used at, and how can we use this drug practically in a clinical setting. So I'm really excited to kind of delve into a little bit more about this drug, which is essentially a new formulation of buprenorphine that is to be used with cats. And we're excited to kind of delve a little bit deeper into this drug. And I'm really excited to lead a discussion about how we can best integrate this new formulation of buprenorphine into clinical practice and into everyday use in our cat population. Sorbium is a volatile liquid transdermal solution intended for topical application that provides continuous systemic delivery of buprenorphine. It's indicated and labeled for the control of postoperative pain associated with surgical procedures in cats and should only be administered a single time two hours prior to surgery. A single application can provide analgesia in cats for up to four days. There are some exciting potential off-label uses that have not been evaluated by Elanco. However, a lot of the hype around this drug is coming from some of the off-labeled uses. Some of these might include using cats with stomatitis, pancreatitis, and fluted, but I think it's really important to note that the use of Zorbium has only been evaluated in healthy cats, and therefore it's only labeled currently for use in postoperative pain in cats. Our two guests that are joining us today are Dr. Chelsea Esty. She's a board-certified neurologist and senior director of specialty consulting veterinary team at Elenco. We also have Dr. Jeff Wilson, who is a board-certified veterinary anesthesiologist fellow gas passer like myself, and he is a specialty consulting veterinarian and a Lanco. So thank you guys both for coming and joining us today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, so let's kind of jump into Zorbium and specifically about analgesia in cats, because I think this has been, since I've been practicing anesthesia, this has been an area of anesthesia that's really been blossoming and growing 
over like even the past 10 years, when I was starting to practice, I don't know about you, Jeff, but when I was starting to practice, there was really some question about how, even the efficacy of using opioids in cats. And so I don't know if you want to add to any, anything about that. Yeah, no, I disagree with you. And, and it's one of the things that I feel very fortunate to be sort of on board with Elanco at this point where this is coming out, because how to control pain in cats is one question we've had for a while. What are the degree to which cats feel pain and how do we address that? And then, you know, what do we do with buprenorphine? And, and buprenorphine is working so well. Thank goodness. What else do we do? But Zorbium is a really good way of getting it in there. And so I'm happy to be here to, to talk about it for sure. Great. Okay. So let's jump to it. So before we kind of get into the nitty gritty, why don't you both introduce yourselves a little bit more? Tell us about what your role is in Elenco, especially with the rollout of Sorbium. Sure. My name is Chelsea SD. First of all, I just want to say thank you for having us. We're really excited to be here for the inaugural episode and we're very, very enthusiastic and excited about our new product launch Sorbium. So we appreciate you having us on today. So my background, as was mentioned, I'm a boarded neurologist. I did my residency at Cornell and then practiced in upstate New York for a few years, as well as in Colorado, before making the transition to industry. So I've been at Elanco now for about two and a half years, initially as a specialty consulting veterinarian, so providing technical field support to our sales team within the commercial pet health organization. And then I moved last year into the role of senior director of our specialty consulting veterinary team. So I, I had the pleasure of working with five uh, boarded specialists on the team and I'm fortunate to have had Jeff join us earlier this year. Great. Jeff, do you want to jump in and tell us a little bit more about yourself and what your role is with, with the rollout of Zorbium as well? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I just, I'm super excited to be here. I can't believe this is the inaugural episode for, for Navis. I'm super excited to be on that because obviously Navis, I think, is a huge thing for us getting started. Yeah. So I joined Elanco actually just in April. So I'm pretty new to honestly the whole industry side of things and pharmaceutical side of things in general. But I feel like I'm really fortunate to have joined it at a time where luckily my background is hopefully helping because Zorbium, I think, is kind of I hate to use the name game changer, but I think it really is a sort of that role for us in terms of how we get buprenorphine to cats and get it into cats and how we apply it, make it easier for owners, easier for vets. And being able to talk about that and some of the history of how opioids have been used in cats and how this might be an advantage to that is one of the big things for me. Just a little bit about my background. I did my residency and things at Tennessee and then have been at Pennsylvania Angel and Virginia Tech most recently before joining kind of the Elanco team now to talk about that. So I'm super happy to be here and excited to, to hopefully tell people a little bit more about Zorbium. Awesome. So you've hinted that Zorbium is a formulation of buprenorphine. So let's talk about buprenorphine basics. So Jeff... Can you just give us a little bit of an intro? What is buprenorphine? Yeah, absolutely. What are some of the highlights of this particular drug? And let's kind of focus in on cats since this drug is being marketed for cats. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, cats have a sort of long history with trying to use opioids and, and being successful and then having all kinds of things happen with them. And, and so people go away from wanting to use opioids in cats. Buprenorphine itself is a partial mu agonist opioid. So it means it barns very well to the mu opioid receptor, but it can't activate that receptor in its entirety. So it has what we call a ceiling effect. It doesn't have a linear effect in terms of its efficacy versus the dose that you're giving. The more you give 
it eventually reaches a point where it doesn't have more effects there primarily. It does bind very tightly to that receptor. So one of the things that we found is that buprenorphine works well as a pain drug in cats and doesn't have some of the side effects. Like when we started using hydromorphone in cats, some cats would have very dysphoric reactions to it. Some cats would get very hyperthermic and show those kind of reactions to it. And some of them were all manageable. And so it might be a good way to provide pain control to cats, but it was a tough thing. And it's, it's particularly tough for most practitioners to use. Buprenorphine has been seen to work very well in cats. It provides good analgesia, not much of a sedative in that respect, but but overall works pretty well. And, and it the thing that practitioners are always looking for is that it's fairly easy and consistent to use. So in addition to an injectable, we started trying to figure out other ways to get buprenorphine into cats and ways to send it home with owners. It goes home in syringes with owners and they give it by what we call the oral transmucosal route, which means the owners are supposed to put it in their mouth and hopefully it gets absorbed through the gums. So it's a, a little bit of a difficult process for owners to consider. I find this to be like a conundrum of sending cats home with buprenorphine that owners constantly are thinking that it's an oral medication, that the cats are supposed to swallow it as opposed to give it transmucosally. The other thing that I think I'm hoping that you touch base on a little bit is that sometimes I'll see kind of in online formats where people are going back and talking about buprenorphine. And I'm hoping you could touch on this too, if you, if you don't mind talking a little bit about using a controlled substance and sending that kind of controlled substance home with an owner to be given to the cats later. And I don't know if you had anything to add about how you felt about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, you've, you've opened many boxes here, which I think Zorbium actually kind of ticks a lot of them in, in terms of its advantages there. One, just to start out, is the oral versus the transmucosal route. And, and just that kind of gets to the point of how difficult it is for owners to understand how they're supposed to give it and also how difficult it is to administer it. I feel like we've had syringes of buprenorphine that have ended up on the cat's face, on the cat's mouth. Maybe it's on the cat's paws. May or may not have actually gotten into the mouth. And if it got into the mouth, was it actually absorbed through the mucosa or was it a swallowed? If it was swallowed, then the liver becomes involved and the liver probably took all that buprenorphine out of before it actually did any good anyway. So a lot of variability there. And one thing Zorbium does by being put on in the clinic and, and being put on topically is it removes all of that for the owner and the concern about the veterinarian may have about whether that dose was actually administered. It is buprenorphine. So it is, as you indicated, it's a scheduled opioid drug. It's a class three opioid medication. So there are some control issues there. I am a huge proponent of not sending opioids home with patients, if at all possible. I think diversion and potential other things that that opioid might or may not be used for, even in good clients that you have a good client veterinary patient relationship with, I think it's extremely difficult for you to predict what may happen if opioids go home. And we know that human diversion of opioids exists in all stages of human life, wherever that may be. So I am very happy to have a formulation of buprenorphine that we can administer in the clinic and not have to send home with owners it's nice for record keeping. I mean, that's another box to check for Zorbium. It's a, it's a tube that you put the whole contents of that tube on the cat and you do that in the clinic. And so technicians don't have to draw up a bunch of syringes. They don't have to record a bunch of small volumes of buprenorphine being administered and they don't have to keep track of that in a, a process related to opioids and drug enforcement and all of that kind of thing there. So a lot of different ways that Zorbium, I, I think, will probably show some, some strong benefits there. So Chelsea, why don't you tell us a little bit about, before we kind of launch into a little bit more about buprenorphine and things like that as, as a drug, why don't you tell me a little bit more about what is Zorbium and you know why did Alenco feel like this drug was really 
needed in clinical practice? Yeah. So when we look at drug development, you know, we're often looking at where is there blue ocean? Where is there a need for a specific product? And certainly, as as you and Dr. Wilson had alluded to earlier, pain management in cats, you know, we, we've come a long way more recently, like with the development of the feline grimace scale, and we're spending a lot more time and attention thinking about what pain looks like in cats. And until recently, there was no FDA-approved long-acting opioid for cats. And by long-acting, I mean over 24 hours until Zorbium was developed. And so it really has changed the way we treat pain in cats. It provides four days of effective pain relief. So it can be easily incorporated into an analgesic plan. It's applied one to two hours before surgery at the base of the neck, and it's dry within 30 minutes. And I think that even when you think of sort of tech time, right, in the, in the hospital, you now aren't drying up a bunch of syringes to send home with an owner. So that's a, that's a huge time savings. The owners are thrilled because they're not having to try to administer an oral medication or an oral transmucosal medication multiple times per day. And when the, when the cat leaves the hospital, the owner can go home knowing that there's four days of pain relief on board. And I think having the transdermal application allows us to get around some of the peaks and troughs that you may experience with that breakthrough pain with some of the previously available buprenorphine solutions, whether they be oral transmucosal or otherwise. So I think we're addressing a lot of the problems that we saw in treating pain in cats with this new FDA-approved product. Can you go a little bit more into the specifics of how sorbium should be applied? So it, it goes one to, so on label one to two hours before surgery. It comes in two sizes. So there's a small cat size and a large cat size. So it's very easy for record keeping. So it's 1.1 to 3 kilograms and then 3 to 7.5 kilograms for the larger cat size. And Again, apply, no need for shaving. In fact, you don't have to shave the hair at all. You can certainly part the hair if you need to, to focally apply that product. You don't need to apply it over multiple sites. It all goes in one area at the base of the neck. It is dry completely within 30 minutes. And label advise that either veterinarian or veterinary technician apply the product wearing appropriate PPE. Again, it is a transdermal opioid, so it's important that, that they do wear the appropriate PPE when applying it to the cat. But from a record-keeping standpoint, you know, you, you follow the same regulations that you do with your other opioids, but it's it's much, much simpler, two sizes, and a full tube goes on the cat based on their weight. Can you tell me a little bit about what makes sorbium different from other kind of long lasting buprenorphine formulations that have come out in the past. I'm really thinking about like this zoo farm has a buprenorphine that's sustained really or like a long sustaining release. And then Simbadol, of course, being kind of a more recent drug. Can you go into a little bit about what makes Orbium different from those formulations of buprenorphine? Yeah, absolutely. I think thinking about, you know, Zoofarm formulation and Simbadol, they're obviously somewhat different. Like the Zoofarm is designed to sort of be a sort of slow release kind of thing. And there are some small studies that have supported this, but really not a lot of large scale studies that have really said this is consistently how it works. And it's a kind of a compounded product that's, you know, we just don't know as much as I would like 
to know personally about what actually happens there. So it's a little tough to tell with that product exactly what's going to happen there. And, and so it hasn't seen widespread use. Simidol is just a big dose of buprenorphine that's put under the skin. And so the characteristics of the cat's subcutaneous space mean that you know, you're going to get a slow release. You're still going to get that kind of peak and trough. And it's 24 hours. So versus, you know, for me, four days versus 24 hours is, is one of the advantages and the things that I like about Zorbium. Zorbium, you're going to just put on top of the skin. You don't have to stick a needle through the skin of that cat. And it's, again, designed to last for four days versus 24 hours. So there's an alcohol there that allows it to dry quickly. So that's the 30 minute dry time. And there's also a permeation enhancer. So that allows the buprenorphine to get through that top layer of the skin and actually form a depot in the skin. And from that depot that's in the, the skin itself versus the subcutaneous fat space, there's a slow release of that buprenorphine into the circulation. And from there, you get central nervous system sort of concentrations that exert its clinical effects primarily. So what we don't see is a really high sort of peak concentration, most at risk for dysphoria and some of those other negative things, which I'm, an, I'm a real not a fan of dysphoria in the slightest versus things like euphoria, sedations, and those other things might be better tolerated. But dysphoria to me is just a not a fun thing to have to deal with. And, and we really, in most of the studies that we've looked at, um, and these are studies that to me at least have some convincing data to them dealing with hundreds of cats over years versus, you know, a few cats here and there primarily. So it's it's data that to me at least can be a bit more convincing to base clinical decision making on you know, rely on feedback from everybody too. And now that Zorbium's out and we're going to get some use data from it, I hope to hear kind of what people think about, you know, how it's actually working, what they're seeing from it, those kind of things. So we have some predictive data and, and otherwise. But yeah, the big thing for me is that it's much more like a concentrate infusion. Like there's a, a sort of constant social nervous system effects pharmacodynamically when they're looking at it. That's even different from its pharmacokinetic profile. So it gets absorbed at a certain rate. It gets eliminated actually a little bit faster than that. But it maintains a very consistent pharmacodynamic effect over those four days, despite even it's, you know, this is something we've seen with buprenorphine. If you measure the plasma concentration, it doesn't always reflect the actual clinical effect that you're seeing there because the central nervous system, that type binding to the mu receptor at the level of the central nervous system can sometimes not be reflected by what the actual plasma concentration is. The central nervous system concentration is probably different than that and is something that we never measure when we're doing, you know, sort of pharmacokinetic studies primarily. So that consistent pharmacodynamics over four days and even potentially longer, we've looked at it, we know for four days, but we're going to get some more information coming from you guys as to what it is. So that's the big advantage to me for sorbium. Some of the comments I'm getting or questions I'm getting about this particular formulation is concerns about, let's say they use sorbium in a cat and the cat starts showing some kind of behavior that is unfavorable. Maybe they're not eating, maybe it's extreme euphoria maybe even dysphoria or something like that. This is a buprenorphine that's lasting potentially four days or longer. I don't know if you guys can comment about what are some options for owners or veterinarians if they administer Zorbium to a cat and the cat starts to exhibit some less than favorable behaviors. Do you have any suggestions about what practitioners should do in those situations? Yeah, thinking about buprenorphine as a, a just a drug in general, not Zorbium specifically. Certainly, it's a it's a partial mu agonist, so it works at the mu receptor, and so 
by that route is certainly reversible with naloxone, but it's extremely difficult to reverse with naloxone. So it's going to take a very high dose to do it. And it's going to take repeated dosing over time. So if you need to reverse it, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do, but it is doable in an emergency situation. The thing that I think is the most sort of positive about this is is sort of multifactorial. One, we have a lot of doses of Zorbium in the studies that have been applied to hundreds and hundreds of cats over the course of years. And the amount of times that we've seen that kind of severe adverse reaction is is so far zero, really. I mean, there, there's so adverse reactions, but the amount of times that it has to be, that it's clinically significant enough that it has to be reversed um, have just not happened yet. So we have a lot of good data that that's a very unlikely thing to happen. Now, one out of many can, can certainly happen. It's not that the cats are not going to have an adverse reaction to it, but it's, it's very unlikely. And most of them are controllable just with basic means, supportive care type means, um, that kind of thing for the most part. That goes for what we know about buprenorphine as a drug in general, too. The number of times in 25 years now that I've had to reverse buprenorphine is, is, is zero. You know, that it's caused that much of an adverse reaction that I felt like I needed to actually physically try to reverse the drug primarily. So there's a little bit of comfort that I think we can afford to feel with regards to that, that it's, it's been very well evaluated, Zorbium in particular, and buprenorphine in itself has also had lots and lots of doses applied and, and has, has been shown to, to very rarely result in that kind of adverse effect. I've had accidental, you know, extremely high doses of buprenorphine injectable given and have yet to have to actually reverse that dose. Usually just supportive care was enough to, to care for them. So, you know, that's not an absolute answer. It's extremely hard to reverse if you need to get there. And so that's a reality we have to deal with. But I think it's, it's we have enough information about how rare that situation is that we can also feel really good about using this for cats. Yeah, I'm assuming this drug underwent rigorous safety studies. Can you comment a little bit about maybe some of the findings of those safety studies? So we did do a target animal safety study where cats were randomly allocated to either a placebo group or a one, two, and three times the labeled dose of sorbium. And so the treatment was administered on day zero, day four, and day eight. So we did repeat that dosing three times. And what we found is that most of the sorbium-treated cats exhibited sedation or euphoria following dosing. And they were roughly similar in all three of the Zorbium groups. And we did see some mydriasis as well, but the mydriasis actually improved with the dosing intervals, just showing evidence of accommodation. But what we did notice is that the duration of sedation and euphoria became more protracted with each dosing interval. So it did take progressively longer to return to baseline on day four and on day eight, which again, on label, you wouldn't be administering it in a repeated dose fashion, but that is something that we noted in that target animal safety study. There was no alterations in any of the biochemical, um, like serum chemistry, hematology, or urinalysis. There were no clinically relevant changes to any of those. Um, and then the other thing that we noted is the cats ate all or more than half of their food each day, even in the higher dose groups, with the exception of one cat on one particular day. Um, there was no vomiting noted in any of those cats. We did see some mean body temperature differences in the Zorbium-treated cats, where they did have an elevated body temperature compared to placebo, which is you know not 
unexpected given that it's an opioid in cats. But other than that, there were no no significant findings at those high doses. So again, it was one, two, and three times the label dose, and it was dosed three times, so on day zero, four, and eight. And uh, to comment again on on the body temperature, there were no instances where cats in that study were actually treated for altered body temperature. So let's talk about how can people get Zorbium into their clinical practice? So let's say we have a hospital that's very commonly already carrying some formulation of buprenorphine. Should hospitals consider completely switching? Do you think it's just useful having Zorbium as another alternative buprenorphine. I'm wondering what you guys think about that. Yeah, I think it's it's a good multifactorial thing. So so the answer is a little bit, it depends, but just to broadly cover it, I think it depends on what their surgical caseload is for cats primarily. So if it's a practice that is doing lots of space neuters and things that or other types of surgery that buprenorphine would be very utilized in, you know, I think they could consider whether they want to completely switch to Zorbium or not, it's an easy way to get buprenorphine into cats. And if that's buprenorphine is working for them, maybe good. I personally kind of like to have some flexibilities. I think it's tough to say, always rule out that you may need some injectable for some reason or another. Um, And especially as you get used to using Zorbium and how that works for you, it's nice to have some other things around. So I don't know that I would say totally switch right away, but some practices may find that this is working well enough for them that they could consider, consider switching. You're like me. You like to have, you're an anesthesiologist, like to have lots of options. I like to have lots of options. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's a really good point because I think every practice is going to be a little bit different as far as what their caseload is, how many dogs versus cats they're seeing, if they're even using buprenorphine in dogs, since again, this drug is not labeled for dogs yet, as far as I know. Yes, it is just labeled for cats. We do have a small amount of pharmacokinetic data in a a small group of beagle dogs that were administered three different doses transdermally. And we know that blood concentrations exceeded expected analgesic levels for, it was at least six days and, and all three of the doses that they evaluated, they had normal body temperatures. But again, it was a really small sample size and it was just PK data. So we have no efficacy data. You know, we have nothing to, to actually support that it works. So we just have the one small study. So the for, for Zorbium specifically, that all of the data we have for that product is, is for using cats. Yeah. So I think, it, again, it probably depends on if a practice, how many dogs versus cats they're seeing. And I think cost is probably another consideration when you're deciding which formulation of buprenorphine that your practice is going to be carrying. Speaking of cost, what should people expect as far as how much this drug is going to cost per dose? Yeah. So for the small cat size, so the 1.1 to 3 kilogram tube size, it's $9.73 a dose charge. That's the cost of the clinic. So a little under $10 cost to the clinic for four days of pain relief. And then the larger cat size, so the over three kilograms up to seven and a half. So the large cat is $13.90 cost to the clinic. And I'll just mention that Zorbium did start shipping the week of July 11th. So it is in lots of hospitals across the U.S. now, and we are already getting a lot of great feedback from folks that have been trying it. That's really exciting to hear because I feel like people keep asking me when is Zorbium getting into their practice. It's here. They can get it. They just have to reach out to their local Alanco rep. Okay, all you gas passers, reach out to your Alanco reps. (laughs) You could try out this drug. So just one last question. 
What benefits can cat owners see when their veterinarian chooses to use Zorbium on their pet? I think one of the big things is that cat owners are going home and they're not going to have to go through the stress of getting their cat multiple times per day, getting a syringe, potentially oral transmucosal, buprenorphine, hoping it actually gets absorbed correctly and they don't just immediately swallow it down. The product's already been administered in the veterinary clinic by trained veterinary professionals. And so they get the benefit of, of taking that cat home and knowing that it has four days of pain relief already on board. No repeat dosing is needed. And so I think from a you know stress-free application, we've got that. So it's less stress for the cat, it's less stress for the owner. And and we're not sending them home with, you know, potentially a, a baggie of syringes. We're, we're not dispensing an opioid with an owner. So I think that there are a lot of potential upsides to, to the pet owner with this particular product. Jeff, I don't know if you wanted to add anything. No, I think that's true. I think it's very interesting. And, and just to throw in a, a personal anecdote, which I'm not supposed to, but it, it's very benign. I was actually got to talk to a cat owner this morning that that was one thing that they were extremely thankful of. It was, this was a person that was actually very experienced with giving pills to their cats, but it was just one of those things that was a little bit stressful and it was a negative interaction. And they were extremely happy that there was an option that is available now that they might not have to do that. It certainly improves the, you know, the human animal bond for sure. I think. The other big piece of feedback I've been getting is from veterinary technicians and veterinary assistants that they're just so happy to have one dosing size. It's much easier for them to record. And again, the, the time of drying up multiple syringes, they're not having to do that anymore. So we've been getting a lot of really positive feedback from the veterinary staff as well. So you had mentioned very quickly about application and drying time. Do you want to just kind of go over that a little bit more detail? And also another question a lot of people have is what happens if another cat licks the application site or some other kind of strange event like that happens? So do you want to address that concern as well? Yeah, so those are those are both great questions. So just a reminder, the product will go on kind of at the base of the neck and that dorsal cervical area one to two hours before surgery. No shaving. You can park the hair if you need to, and it all goes on in one spot and forms a depot within the skin. And it is completely dry within 30 minutes. So we did do some drying time studies, and we established that in all of the cats evaluated in those studies, the product was completely dry after 30 minutes. So we certainly recommend that after you apply it, you know, they're, they're housed individually in a cage just to limit any possibility that, a, that another cat may lick that site. Based on the location, it would be very, very hard for that particular cat who received the Zorbium to actually lick it. But if for some reason they were housed with another, another cat, then that would be a potential possibility. So we do recommend that they're housed individually, which is you know typically not an issue. We did do a small study looking at six cats that were exposed to 140 micrograms oral transmucosally. And so the reason we picked that number is we actually had taken some cats and assayed the amount of residual buprenorphine left two hours after drying in cats that received the large dosing size, so the 20 milligram dose. And we found it was 137 micrograms. We rounded up, we exposed six cats to 140 micrograms. And three of the six experienced some transient euphoria, no mydriasis, and that euphoria was gone within one to four hours in those three cats. So that gives us a little bit of information. But again, 
definitely you want to wait till after that 30 minute drying time before handling the site and and having any potential uh, interaction with another animal. So just to be clear, I know you mentioned that when you apply the product that whoever is applying the product should be wearing appropriate PPE, which mm-hmm. I assume is, is just like a pair of nitrile gloves or, st- or latex gloves. So on the label, we have, you know, list the full PPE, lab coat, gloves, glasses, just to limit any potential exposure since it is being applied via the transdermal route. And that should be applied by a veterinarian or veterinary technician. So just to be clear, after the two hour time frame or even within 30 minutes, you know, are when can people kind of stop handling that cat with any kind of PPE? Oh, yeah. So after the 30 minutes, products dry. You can treat that cat completely normally. It can, you know, be prepped for for whatever surgical procedure it's having and handled as you would normally. It just needs that 30 minute drying time and then you're good to go. So Jeff, I'm wondering if you can clarify a little bit about after the product is applied onto the skin, when can people expect that that drug will start to take effect? Yeah, absolutely. And I just wanted to expand on Chelsea because I've been getting this question a lot is we do recommend that all the data we have is from application to that dorsal cervical area at the base of the skull. So people ask, can I apply it to the ear? Can I apply it to other areas? We just don't have data on that. I personally wouldn't recommend it. I would say, let's put it where we know it's going to have that consistent absorption. And when it is applied, you know, to that spot, as we do there, it takes about one to two hours to reach effective plasma concentrations that give a pharmacodynamic effect there. So plan for that one to two hours onset, primarily giving you the effect that you're looking for. And it's, I don't know if we've said it in this broadcast, I remember, but it's probably most similar to a 0.02 mg per kg intramuscular dose of buprenorphine. That's kind of very similar to what, what people will see with it once it gets to that one to two hours where it should be ready to go. Is there any concern if the application site gets wet or even heated because some cats are put on their back and they're put on a heating pad or something like that, even after that 30 minute time frame, is there any concern about any changes in, in pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics or anything like that? In terms of it becoming wet at that site. So the that's the, the nice thing about this is once it's dry, that permeation has occurred. It's actually gone underneath the skin and it's actually you know, in that depot within the skin. And so you should be able to spray it, wipe it, do whatever you want to, to the top of it because the buprenorphine is not there anymore. So yeah, they, if they get damp, all that kind of stuff, you should be fine after that 30 minute drying period has occurred. Yeah. And I'm glad actually you asked about heat support. That is a question that we get quite often. And so although it hasn't been specifically evaluated, 82% of the cats in the field trial did receive supplemental heat during surgery just because hypothermia was common across all groups, including the placebo group. So the safety and efficacy evaluations were all performed in cats. And again, the bulk of which, so 82% were receiving heat support. So we feel like that the data that we have from those clinical studies reflects a pretty you know standard population of cats undergoing surgery and that we would assume that the bulk of those in, in real life outside of these clinical trials would be receiving supplemental heat support as well. I'm glad you mentioned the clinical trials because I think it would be worthwhile discussing a little bit more about some of the findings in those clinical trials, including some of the, if if there were any adverse side effects that were seen in the clinical trials, I would love for you guys to touch base on that as well. Yeah, the clinical efficacy trials, I think, were were done pretty well. So, so how were they done? They were done in a couple hundred cats. So it was a fair number of cats that were studied. So, so not a, you know, not a small number of cats there. So we've feel fairly good about the robust nature of the data. 
those before sort of some of our more validated pain scales were actually available to use, but the pain scoring system that was used involved with the observation an interactive and a palpation portion of it. So it's very similar to some of the sort of, you know, glass scale, short form pain scale, some of the other pain scales that we have that have now been validated for use in various settings there. So um, I think the data are pretty, again, pretty robust in terms of comparing to, you know, some of the outcome stuff that we have, we have currently. And, it was fairly nice. Like we ended up seeing uh, in the number of cats that were studied in those clinical trials, cats that had spays, neuters, and declaws performed. 80% of the cats, actually over 80% of the cats that got Zorbium did not need any rescue analgesia after that procedure was performed. And about half of that of cats that received placebo had to be rescued from that. So, so Zorbium was about, seemed to be twice as effective as, as the placebo in that particular clinical efficacy trial. So let's talk about any adverse effects that were seen in the clinical trials. Absolutely. So the clinical trials gave us a good idea in larger groups of cats of what the clinical efficacy was going to be, but also some, what some of the potential adverse events might be. And really, the one of the main adverse events that we saw with Zorbium that ended up being statistically higher than the placebo groups was elevations in body temperature. And in the phase two clinical trials, where they were looking at dosing, the highest individual cat reported body temperature was one of 5.9. They did not end up physically treating most of these. There were a couple of cats that got treated at one institution, but most of the time these were dealt with on a symptomatic basis and were not considered major issues there. But the highest individual body temperature was one of 5.9. And then in the phase three trials where they looked at the actual product itself and, and clinical efficacy and dosing, that they reached uh, body temperatures that were just above 103 were the highest body temperatures that were really were, were reached in those particular studies. Hyperthermia was the only adverse event that was statistically higher than placebo group, and they were very similar. Most of the body temperatures were very similar in those, even if they were statistically different for those primarily. So for those cats that experienced hyperthermia, was it self-limiting? Were there any interventions that were required to treat hyperthermia? Most of them, no interventions were required. Uh, like I said, there was one institution where they did start some things like steroids and those kind of things. I'm going to argue back and forth as to whether that was clinically significant or whether it was totally necessary, but it certainly got was felt necessary by those veterinarians that it be treated. But the vast majority of them, the only intervention was just kind of supportive care observation, that kind of thing. And most of them were self-limiting events. They did not last for the full four days of the expected treatment period for that buprenorphine zorbium. So they limited themselves primarily. They were, did not have to be actually treated or intervened with in any way. So let's talk about integrating Zorbium into a clinical practice that perhaps is already established. Perhaps they're already using buprenorphine in their practice. And so let's just talk about whether or not practices that are carrying buprenorphine already, should they consider completely switching to Zorbium or should they carry both formulations and maybe an injectable and Zorbium as well? What do you think would be best practices for that? I think it's a great question. I think it, there's a lot of things that I think Zorbium will lend it to, especially if they're already familiar with using buprenorphine because Zorbium allows them a kind of a great way to get buprenorphine into cats primarily. So the big areas where I think it'll benefit them to add Zorbium, if even if they're already using buprenorphine, is the fact that the record keeping tends to be simpler and they're not having to send home 
any buprenorphine with clients, if that's something they're already doing because they're using injectable, they can certainly use buprenorphine in their procedure still. So they can just time their application of Zorbium transdermally to fit with where they would have done the injectable before so that they reach those buprenorphine concentrations that they're looking for during the surgical procedure or during whatever painful procedure they're sort of using it for on or off label there. So I think it's very useful. And I think, again, because of the record keeping, the ease of use and those kind of things, there are some, some positive benefits there they're going to see from those. And I think owners are going to appreciate it, especially if they're having to give oral transmucosal as part of the normal practice of what they're doing with buprenorphine currently. The owners not having to do that tend to be a, a very appreciated thing by most owners in my experience so far. So I think they can use it. And I think it's certainly something that's going to be friendly to them. Do they immediately transition out of injectable buprenorphine? I probably wouldn't because I would say there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve of how to incorporate Zorbium. So I would keep the injectable around just to have it. And also there may be some cases there are you know, just needing an injectable dose of buprenorphine is certainly indicated for some cats. So I wouldn't totally ship it out of there. I would keep it around, but I think absorbing is really going to help use buprenorphine a little bit broader spectrum than is currently available. I know a lot of practices are using injectable buprenorphine for both their cat and dog populations. Can Zorbium be used in dogs? Do we have any data about its use in that species or in any other species? I think that's a great question. And certainly we use buprenorphine for our, all these species. Zorbium is obviously just labeled for cats specifically. We have a little bit of pharmacokinetic data in dogs. There are about six dogs that have been studied in, in one study. So it doesn't give us a lot of information. And that study, I think, doesn't allow us to draw large conclusions. So at this point, we certainly can't recommend, yeah, put Zorbium on dogs. And this is exactly how much you should use. We just don't know that information right now. There's the possibility that it can be used for dogs, but we just have a very small pharmacokinetic study that gives us any indication there. We don't know what dose we would need to use. What's the onset of action? What's the duration of action? None of those things do we know in dogs or at this point in any other species primarily that is sort of part of our companion animal profile for the most part. So if a veterinarian chooses to use Zorbium in their patient, what benefits can cat owners expect to see? The big benefit for cat owners is a very consistent analgesia. So when the cat is in the hospital and not under the owner's direct sort of supervision and observation, they're getting analgesia from that. Um, that doesn't have to be an injectable type dose. It's already on board and it's applied throughout the procedure. When they take their cat home, they're not going to have to be interacting with them in a way that's sometimes a little bit adversarial, trying to give a dose of oral transmucosal, trying to get that dose in the cat. Um, that's a difficult thing for a lot of people to experience. So the, the dose is already on board. They know that their cat is getting consistent analgesia that's on board for four days, and they don't have to give medications themselves or take any of those medications home, which is what they might be doing now if they're using oral transmucosal buprenorphine as part of their post-op pain management plan if the owners are having to do that. So consistent analgesia and not having to give doses to their cats themselves of that particular medication is a big benefit for owners. Jeff and Chelsea, thank you so much for spending time with me, talking to me more about Zorbium and letting all of our listeners gain some insight into using this drug and what they can expect to see if they choose to use this drug for their feline patients. Just really quickly, for those practitioners who are interested in trying Zorbium for their cats. First question is how much does a dose of Zorbium cost? And second would be when can they expect to see Zorbium and purchase it and use it in their practice? 
great questions. Yeah, the cost I think is pretty reasonable, especially when you compare it to what we're doing now. So Zorbium comes in two sizes, comes in a sort of small cat size. So two tubes, one small cat size, one big cat, bigger cat size. The small cat tubes are $9.70 per tube is the cost to the clinic before any markups or anything like that occur. And the large cat tube sizes are about $14. It's just under $14 for those for the clinic cost uh, there primarily. And Zorbium is now available. So it's been out for a couple months now and should be available through distributors and your normal avenues, those kind of things for depending on how your practice obtains controlled substances, buprenorphine, things like that. If you like what you heard today, I encourage you to check out the North American Veterinary Anesthesia Society and consider becoming a member. As a member of NAVAS, you get tons of benefits, including access to CE events, blog posts, fireside chats with boarded anesthesiologists, as well as specialty technicians, and just so much more. They also sponsor a wonderful anesthesia-related CE event, the NAVAS Symposium, each year. If you would like to learn more, visit www.mynavas.org to advance your anesthesia journey today. Also, a huge thank you to our sponsor, DECRA, without whom this podcast would not be possible. Please contact your DECRA rep if you're interested in learning more about many of the pharmaceutical products they have to offer for veterinary professionals including most recently Zenalpha. We may have an episode coming up on Zenalpha soon, so please stay tuned. I want to again thank our guests, Dr. Chelsea Esty and Dr. Jeff Wilson, for spending time with us today to inform us on how to best integrate Zorbium into clinical practice. And a huge thank you to you, all the gas pastors out there, for spending time with me today on the NAVAS podcast. Becoming a skilled anesthetist is a lifelong journey of learning and self-discovery, so I hope you consider listening again in the future. Until next time, I'm your host, Dr. Bonnie Gatson, and thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.